Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. We love you, Jesus. We trust you. We know you're in charge. We pray for our country. We will obey your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Genesis chapter 28. I'm just going to set the stage here for you. Genesis chapter 28 is dealing with Jacob. Jacob has deceived his father. He has been threatened by his brother Esau. The next time he sees Jacob, he promises he will kill him. And so his mother Rebekah sends him away. And for the first time in his life, perhaps, he is on a journey without being under his father and mother's protection. He's all alone. And he's heading to an uncle that he's never met named Laban. And this is what happens to him on the first night. Genesis 28, 12. He dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father, the God of Isaac, the land wherein thou liest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread forward abroad to the west, to the east, the north, and the south. And in thee and thy seed shall all families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and I will keep thee in all, in all places whither thou goest. And I will bring thee again unto this land. I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob waked out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. And he was afraid and he said, How dreadful is this place. This is none other but the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone which he had for pillows and set it up for a pillow and poured oil on the top of it and he called the name of that place Bethel, which means house of God. And today I want to preach to you for a few minutes on this subject. I need to find my place. I need to find my place. God bless you. You may be seated. If you ever start a conversation with somebody that you don't know, usually most of the questions have to do with a place. Where were you born? Where were you raised? Where did you go to high school? Where do you work? Where do you live? Where are some of the places that you have been and where are some of the places that you would like to see? It revolves around places, places. When Jacob arrived at the spot that he was at that night and laid down and went to sleep, he didn't realize the place that he was in. He was in the perfect spot for God to give him a dream and a vision. 
He was sorrowful. Put yourself in Jacob's position for a moment. You've had to leave everything you know. You've had to leave your family. You're all alone. There's a death threat in your life. You know that, that Esau may be pursuing you. And so you have to get to Laban's house as quick as you can. It is a restless night for Jacob until God gives him a dream and he shows him what's happening in the spiritual realm. He shows him a ladder that goes from the earth to heaven and he shows him that angels are coming up and down this ladder as messengers of God. And then from the top of the ladder, he hears this booming voice that makes the same promises to him that were made to Abraham and Isaac and now even to Jacob. And when he wakes up from his dream, he says, surely the presence of the Lord was in this place and I didn't even know it. I pray that we will never get to a place where we can't feel the presence of God or where we begin to take the presence of God for granted. We just expect that we're gonna be able to walk into the presence of God and, and he's going to bless us and there's no effort and there's no sacrifice on our part whatsoever. Somebody else will take care of that. I pray that we never get to that place or take for granted what God has so richly blessed us with. And then he says to him, since this is the place where I have felt the presence of God and, and I have seen this dream, I recognize that this is the house of God and that the house of God is the gate to heaven. I pray also that we will never misuse the church, never take the church for granted. I'm not talking about its structure as a building. I'm talking about it as a collection of people gathering together to worship where God's presence moves in and the miraculous takes place. We don't take the church for granted. We can't be saved without the church. Some of you don't believe that, but it's true. The church is the body of Christ. We can't be saved without the body. And for by one spirit are we baptized into this body. And the church is the gate. It is the entryway. It is, shows us how to get to the heavenly. And Jacob recognized that. And so should we. And finally in Jacob's life, there comes a time where he has to face his brother Esau. It will be the next day. After 20 years of being with Laban, 20 years of labor for Laban, two wives, kids, and some wealth attained, he now leaves and then what happens when he leaves Laban's house? He encounters Esau. He knows that he will meet him the next day. And he knows that Esau said, he would kill Jacob. So what does he do? He divides his house into two parts and sets them aside and gets alone with God. He's got to find God. He's got to find a place 
where he can talk to God and where God will talk to him again. I don't know how many times God spoke to Jacob during those 20 years, but Jacob can still remember the first night that he was alone and he realizes he's going to have to be alone with God again. I want you to know it's a wonderful thing to be able to come to church on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night and worship together. It's great to be able to hear somebody preach the word or teach the word. It's great to be able to have somebody come up and pray with you and encourage you and make you feel like you're part of a family. But I want you to know there's gonna have to be some alone times with God. There's gonna have to be some evenings where you say, you know, I just gotta get away from everybody and I've gotta get away from everything and I've gotta find a place where God will talk to me. I need some answers. I'm prepared to spend the night with God if need be. I will not be satisfied until I get a hold of God. And so we read in verse 24 of Genesis chapter 32, Jacob was left alone and there wrestled with him a man until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And the angel said, let me go, the day breaketh. And he said, no, this is not enough for me. Not enough. I will not let you go except you bless me. I want you to know it's not enough to just come to church. It's not enough to just put in your time. But when you feel the presence of God, you don't leave until you got what you came for. I'm not letting go of you, God, until I get an answer, until the need is met. I want you to know there needs to be a determination in our prayer life and in our commitment to God. I remember when I was in, uh, in a foreign country, um, I forget the name of the country. Oh, it was the Philippines. We were in the Philippines, and we were praying for the sick. And over there, there's, there's, there's such a respect for men and women of God. And you, ha- you had to have an interpreter with you. And, and when you laid your hand, after you anointed somebody with oil, and you laid your hand on their head, and you began to pray for them, the first thing they did was they took their hand and they wrapped it around your wrist. And they held your hand on their head. And at first I didn't know why, but I learned why in a big hurry. Because they were not gonna let you go until they got their miracle. They believed that God was going to use you. It was not you that did the miracle, but God was gonna use you. And until they felt the release from their sickness, until they got their healing, You weren't leaving. Because it was a matter of life and death for them. They didn't have the doctors and the medicine. If they didn't get a miracle, they died. And this was their only opportunity. In that sense, they were like Jacob. I will not let you go until I get what I came for. We need to have more of a determination like that, folks not just come and bend a knee and 30 seconds later we get up and walk away and say, well, God didn't talk to me. God didn't meet my need. 
Maybe we should do more listening and less talking. Maybe we should spend more time and stay focused. I remember when I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I had sought the Holy Ghost for four months, every service, until one Sunday night, I had determined that I was not leaving that service until I received the Holy Ghost. Even if it meant that I was not going to work on Monday morning, I was staying till I got the Holy Ghost. I needed that kind of determination that I will not let you go until you baptize me with your spirit. And that is the time that God filled me with the Holy Ghost. And I would not leave that place, that place of worship, that church, until I got what I had come to God for. I want you to know you and I are no different. You're no different than Jacob. You're no different than Rick Kiley. But we all have to have the same kind of an attitude that says, I'm not leaving till I hear, till I see, or till I get what I came for. Praise God. There needs to be more of a determination. I will not let you go except you bless me. And the angel said, what is your name? And he said, it's Jacob. And he said, your name will no more be called Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince thou hast power with God and with men, and you have prevailed. Did you see that? Now I'm playing on words here a little bit, and I'm pretty good at it too. But this word Israel here, if you switch the E and the A around and separated it, it would be the God is real. We serve a God that is real. And we have power with God, but we also have power with men. Because of the promise that God made to Abraham, I'll bless them that bless you and I'll curse them that curse you. We have more power than we realize. We have more strength than we realize. We have more influence than we realize because we are ambassadors of the king. Power with God, but power with men. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray you, your name. And he said, what is it that you ask after my name? And here it is. He blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place. He's always naming places. This is the place where I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I remember when I was sick one time and I came right here and they anointed me with oil. This is my place of healing. I remember one time I was offended by a brother and God spoke to me and told me that I needed to go and make it right with my brother. This was a place of forgiveness. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? We need to mark the places in our life where God has done great things for us. He said, I'm gonna name this place Peniel for I've seen God face to face and my life is preserved. I've been saved. He knew the next day he was gonna meet Esau, but because of this encounter, because he found his place, he wasn't afraid to meet him the next day. He knew God was with him, and he knew that he had power. 
and God would take care of the situation. I am concerned about our country. I'm so concerned that I'm gonna pray more than I've ever prayed for my country. I may not be able to change my country, but I'm out to change one life at a time, make a difference to one soul at a time that faces eternity. This may be the thing that brings people together rather than drives people apart. I talked with Brother Larson on the phone the other day. Maybe now we'll get together with other ministers. Maybe we'll have to form some kind of an alliance concerning morality, even if we can't change and agree on doctrine. Can we agree on moral issues? Can we stand together for what God proclaims is a moral issue in his word? We don't have to compromise and negotiate our truth or our doctrine. God may be doing a new thing and we need to follow the leading of the spirit and remain faithful to the truth. Can I get an amen today? Maybe I'm making you think, but I I believe what I'm saying. You see, God, I want you to think of it this way. One day, God sent a messenger to your place to bring you to his place. Did you ever think of it that way? God sent a messenger, somebody witnessed to you. Somebody taught you a home Bible study. Somebody gave you an invitation to come to his place after being sent to your place. We have to go, listen carefully, we have to go to their place to bring them to his place. That's our job. That's why we go in the highways and the byways and the streets and the lanes and the country like we've talked about in previous weeks. We go to their place to bring them to his place. Acts chapter one and verse four. And being assembled together with them, Jesus assembled together with his disciples, with his believers. He commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. Jesus was an assembler. He got people together. People came around him and he came to them. He spoke to multitudes of people. But he assembled with them in Acts 1 and 4 and gave them instruction. Now if you go to Acts 2 and 1, or 2 and 2, it says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were, with, they were in one accord and in one place. Here's the point I'm trying to make to you today. You can never have a Pentecost until we've come to one accord and one place. It took them seven days to get in one accord even though they were in one place. And when they were in one accord, 
and remained in one place, God poured out his spirit. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Why? Because they were in one accord and they were in one place. I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. I can be a Christian in my house. That's like saying you're a doctor without going to an office. That's like saying you're a surgeon and not being in a hospital. You gotta go to a place for your ministry. I I can watch TV and get a message off of the TV. I, I can sit in a tree and hunt and and worship God in a tree. That's called meditation, folks. That's not what God called us to do exclusively. I'm all for sitting in the woods and singing and worshiping God, reading your Bible and all that, but we're supposed to assemble ourselves together. We're supposed to be in one accord. We're supposed to be in one place. That's how we have the move of the Spirit. I'm gonna make you think today. I'm thankful that that we have an altar, which is a sacred place. Do you know this is the most important place in this entire community? Right here. Think of all the things that have happened at this altar and in this place. When you got in one accord with God, the times that you've come to the altar and God has spoke to you. Where did it happen? It happened at this place. Don't ever take the altar for granted. We all need a sacred place. A sacred place. We need to find our place in the body. Take a look at 1 Corinthians 12. Now here it talks about the body. As the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Now, you all have a body, and that body has many members. And if one member of that body is hurting, the whole body hurts. How many of you ever had a migraine headache? I mean, you are decapitated. What's the word I'm looking for? You are incapacitated by a migraine headache. I mean, you can't do anything. You have no joy, you have no peace, you can't function, you can't do anything. You just lay there with a washcloth on your head, you sit in the dark. It's a terrible event. And and all it is is just a headache. I mean, your foot is fine. But you can't function. And so your body does all it can to help the situation that hurts. When you're hungry, what if your hand says, I'm taking the day off? 
I'm not. Try eating with your feet. Be really embarrassing to just stick your face in a bowl, too, you know? But the body's got to got to function together. And the body has to be in one place. Are you out of your mind? And look what it says here about this body. One spirit, are you baptized into one body? Whether you be a Jew or a Gentile, whether you be bond or free, and have all been made to drink in one spirit. The body is not one member, but many. And then verse 18, but now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it pleased him. You have a place in the body of Christ. You have a function. You have a part in what benefits the body. Everybody that has received the Spirit has this. We need to know our place. Well, I want to be the head. Here's how we get in trouble. Here's how we get in trouble. Who is the head of the body? Thank you. He is the head of the body. He will do the thinking. God is not wringing his hands in worry over what the Supreme Court ruled. Oh no, what am I gonna do now? I'm so nervous, I'm so worried. What are they gonna do next? He's not worried. He knows what he's doing. Don't you worry. This is a lesson, a hard lesson that I learned. When I worry, I'm not trusting. I'm trying to fix something. I'm trying to control something. And I'm not succeeding. And that's why I'm worrying. And the reason I'm worrying, it's a vicious circle, is because I'm not trusting. This is bigger than me. I can't fix this, but God can. So God says, you know what? This is what I'm going to make you, Nancy. I'm going to make you an arm. But God, I don't want to be an arm. I want to be a foot. Too bad, Nancy. I'm making you an arm. Well, then I'm going to be spastic. There, that'll fix the body. I'll just do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it, or I'll do this. God knows why he puts you where he puts you, and he needs you in that role and in that function, and the body works smoothly when it works Together. It works together. And here we go again with this one accord in one place. Take a look at this, Hebrews 10. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Let us consider one another 
to provoke unto love and to good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. We see the day approaching. You'd have to be blind not to be able to see the day approaching us. And the manner of some, he said, would be as it was then. Spread out. When God says, wherever two or more are gathered together, what's he talking about? Assembly. If two or more will agree on touching any one thing, what is he talking about? Assembly. He's talking about one place. I know I'm preaching to the choir today. You're in church today because you want to be here, because you recognize you're part of the body. But more importantly, this is the point I got to get across to this particular assembly and this particular part of the body of Christ. It's not about us. Do you know why some people don't come to church? They don't feel like it. I don't need it. I've been in the presence of God before. He'll be there the next time I come. I've heard that guy preach before. He'll be there the next time I come. I don't need to be there. You know what you're saying? It's all about me. Have you ever considered that as part of the body of Christ, God might want to use you? Maybe I can't get across to somebody on a Sunday morning. Maybe it's not the message. Maybe it's a song that we sing. Maybe it's a brother or a sister that comes up and feels impressed to pray with you and put their arm around you and maybe they've got a word of encouragement or or they can demonstrate love like we just talked about in Hebrews 10 and 24. But if you're not there, maybe God wants to use you in a gift of the Spirit. One of the nine gifts of the Spirit. Well, he only uses, you know, three or four people in our congregation. He's never gonna use more than that. Sure he will. God can use new people. You just need to make yourself available. You just need to be in one accord and and you just need to be in one place and you need to be there with an attitude of, God, how can you use me today? Is there anything I can do to benefit the body because ultimately I'm pleasing the head of the body. And as the body instructs its members from the head, We need to flow with the Spirit. I know that when I get done preaching this message and that it is, that it is possible that some people will say, well, I'll consider that. I, I hope you don't consider it. I hope you obey it. I hope you come to church and say, I, I'm, I'm not going to be a part of this group. It says, I'm sitting home because I'm tired. I'm not needed. 
I've heard that before. No, no, I, I need to be there. I need to get alone with God. I need, I need to be in my closet. And then I need to come out of that prayer closet and I need to find somebody that I can minister to, somebody that I can make a difference in their life. The reason that some people's lives is so stale and so bland is they don't know their purpose, they don't know their place in the body and they don't exercise their gifts and their talents. And we need you, congregation. We need you. We need you to do whatever God asks you to do, to benefit, to love, and to encourage the body like it talks about here. We need you. Everybody needs encouragement sometimes. Can I get an amen to that? Everybody needs encouragement sometimes. Everybody needs to know that they're loved and appreciated. So go and do it for somebody else and see if it doesn't come back on you. Because as you sow, so shall you reap. That's why the Bible says, he that has friends must show himself friendly. You know why you don't have friends? Because you're not friendly. Nobody ever comes to me and says, I love you, brother, I love you, sister. When's the last time you ever prayed with somebody at an altar? Well, I don't do that, I don't have that gift. What kind of gift do you have to have to love somebody? What does God have to do to get you to do what your place in the body is? That voice that said, hey, there's a brother or a sister, I want you to go pray with them, that's not the devil. Oh, now that's discernment. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? It's not enough to, we need to be in one accord and we need to be in one place, but we need both. Not just, and I'm thankful for, please don't think that I'm rebuking you today. I'm not rebuking you. I'm encouraging you. I am thankful for every one of you that are in the house of God today. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your generosity. But please understand, it's more than just attending a church service. It's being a part of what God wants for the entire body. It's going to their place to bring them to his place. And, and yes, we should love the lost, but we should love the saved. We should pray one for another and encourage one another. Okay, I've said it. Let's stand together. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In him will I trust. And finally, John 14, verse 1. Well, if it doesn't fit this Sunday, I don't know any Sunday better than this one. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place 
for you. Did you hear that? I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, you'll be in the same place. You getting it? I've got to find my place in God. Jesus, I pray for this congregation that you would help us to know our place. And if it's not our place to do something, then help us to be still and to be quiet. But if it is our place, Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.